What's up, guys? Today we are talking about lights, everything lighting. Um, and of course, I have Kevin Brown from buffdaddy.com uh, on the show and Christopher Brown from ocdcarcare.com. Uh, he's been in the business a long time and he is uh, certainly more than Kevin and I, uh, you know, the authority with respect to lights. He's taken a very deep dive into the subject and I thought it would be pretty fascinating. So, uh, thanks for both of you being on. And I'll start off with uh, uh, the first question here and sort of going from a basic perspective of the sun. I mean, we as humans on earth, you know, we need the sun and all that kind of stuff. But from a detailing perspective, you know, the go-to light, if you will, is it just to yank the car outside, stick it in the sun? Oh, does it have swirls? Does it have spider webs? No, yes. And so I think we've advanced from there. From there. But, um, you know, I, I'm dying to hear what you have to say with respect to the sun. So, you know, please tell me what... Uh, what, what, you know, why is pulling the sun out good and or bad when you're looking at the, uh, the car? Well, in respect to inspecting a vehicle with sunlight, uh, sunlight is the control. It's the, the type of light everybody primarily looks at a car uh, in most situations. So what's good about sunlight is it's the closest we have to what you would call a pure white, even though it's partially bluish. It accurately represents color values and services for what they are. It doesn't distort it by adding any kind of tinge of an orange or a yellow or a, a bright blue over the surface. So what you see is generally what you get. And that's why when, when people finish a panel or finish a car, they pull out in the sun for double checking because it actually reveals everything. Do you think like body shops in particular, let's say if they paint the door and the, and the other door is not painted – do they do the same things? I know there's a 3M sun gun or whatever, you know, you guys remember that thing where when you, if instead, do they pull it out in the sun and be like, Hey, this matches the color. Are you talking from a color perspective or just like a swirl perspective with, you get what I'm saying with respect to the sun? Do, you, do body shop guys pull it out in the sun to look at it? Uh, well, I guess that really depends on the body shop and how good they are, but uh, it, it all depends on, you know, how much volume they're doing. But in terms of, accurate color representation yeah. i think that's that's the big thing for body shops is they're trying to match it you know plus or minus five percent so uh, i can't speak for body shops but you know I i'm think saying i'm detailers... saying from the light perspective like if you if if money was no option in time and what all the other things you said hypothetically if i pulled it outside would the sun be the best one to judge the difference between hues or or is it just on swirls i'm trying to... i i think yes i would say yes because that's the way most customers are going to be looking at their cars, not going to be taking these crazy. That's fair. That's, that's a good point. Actually. I didn't okay. think of it that way. Excellent. Okay. Yeah. Continue on. So like what, why, why are we, I guess just because when we're inside, we don't have access to, to the sun. So is what this whole lighting, you know, uh, conversation is it really about trying to create the sun when we can't, when it doesn't exist, meaning we're indoors or at night or whatever, or am I thinking about it differently? Well, I, I think what you're getting to is the importance of, you know, why tackle the lighting subject. And, you know, it's, as we know, it's a, it's a fundamental necessity that we all need it for most tasks, but nobody had really talked about it. So I think the primary thing is quality, you know, being able to accurately, accurately evaluate the surface and represent true color value allows detailers the ability to get the best results. You know, if you can't see it, you can't properly remove it or improve it. You know, uh, additionally, I believe that proper lighting improves efficiency. So by taking surfaces to the level that the job dictates the first time, there's no need for double and triple work. That's fair. You know. And so how does one, I guess, 
if the sun, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, I'm just trying to extrapolate here uh, for people listening, of course, is if the sun is the ultimate, meaning like if I could just reach up, grab it, stick it in my pocket, and then stick it into a pen or put it on my wall and have it shine on the car, again, I, I'm assuming that's correct. It may be wrong. How do we, how do we mimic that with, with light so that we have, you know, we get all the attributes that you just said, meaning we're not going back, we're seeing the paint for its true depth and color and hue and all that kind of stuff. Like what, so what, how do we mimic that? Like, tell me, how do you do that, you know, indoors? Well, the, the sun is great for color value and representation, but, you know, we do have an, a con of the sun is automatic heat adding heat to a panel so oh, yeah. you know using that in polishing is, is that's a, you know there's a conflict of interest here so you know average daylight for the the, the longest part of the day the sun is about 50 5500 degrees kelvin which is the kelvin scale is basically a way of um demonstrating how what level or what type of hue the light is giving off so you know about pure white is probably at about 48 100. Um, 5,500 is a really odd value to get in any type of lighting bulb. So we settle for 5,000 because that's the closest to, you know, pure white that we can find. So finding a bulb that has a, a 5,000 Kelvin value, we're replicating those true color and surface characteristics of the sun without the, you know, the downfall of the heat to the panel. Hmm. I, I didn't think of, I didn't think of that at all. I know we're getting into the Kevin's world with the heat in the panel. So Kevin, from that perspective, if you were to, in my little dream world here of putting the sun on the wall and having it shine on the car and it, and it heated up the paint from a polishing perspective, which is obviously your expertise, what, what is that doing to the paint just by, uh, ab not abnormally, I get externally putting heat, meaning not caused from the polisher. Like it's just, yeah. just hot already. What is that doing? Well, it, if you think of paint as a structure, which we try to teach that it is, anything that expands and contracts from heat is energy, right? And so if it can expand and contract with the absorption of heat, in our case, aren't we effectively making the, the dense paint less dense? When we, If you have you know, X amount of paint and you stretch it taller, now it's more apt to be twisty and flexible mm. and bendable and not as stable. So that's a big thing in polishing when you're taking a machine and you're twisting something that's got friction with a more abrasive that's got more friction and it's got solvents or emollients that can absorb into this structure. It can, it can lead to false readings. In other words, when it's expanded like that, it has a higher potential to absorb more energy or heat and liquids and then not come back to rest when it cools down as quickly as if you didn't do anything to it. So expansion and contraction is just a normal thing of life. Uh, but when you interject solvents and additional force or friction, it really can give you a false reading of what you've actually accomplished in work and how it looks when it all comes back to rest. So I think what Christopher said is probably the single best thing if you can mimic what most people see every day, you know, the, the standard would be the sunlight because everybody's got it. You know, it's readily available in most countries or most portions of the world. So everybody's more prone to use that as, as your standard, as your base point of, hey, that's really good light. So, so you, could, you, you can, could say mimic the sun. I'm trying to like 
capture this. Basically, you want to mimic the sun, but without the heat. Could you say that as like a, a yeah, a but one-liner? then control the brightness, right? So Christopher, that that's a big part of it too, right? Brightness. I mean, if you blind yourself on a metallic mm, paint, right. the sun, like I can't see anything for about seven minutes until my eyeballs focus, <laughs> so I can actually see scratches. Or, you know, the paint looks really little... good when you blind yourself. I can tell you that it, is, yeah, it, it looks yeah. great. <laughs> yeah, well, it's common. I mean, you get some. Some certain types of metallics, like, wow, this is killing my eyes right now. Oh, okay, three minutes later, my pupils are the size of, size of you know, pinpoints. I can finally see what's going on. So with lighting, you get the benefit of getting the, the coloring you want and the brightness. So anyway, go ahead. So, Chris. Absolutely, and I, yeah. think, I think that some, some of the things is when you're using an LED, you're getting all those benefits without the luminosity of the sun, meaning it's not as bright as the sun. So in effect, you're actually seeing more. So there's an adjustment involved when using the sun and using LED lights because LED lights will literally show everything. And then it's up to the detailer to keep in mind what the overall governing level the job is being taken to, because you can easily get caught in, in that, you know, rabbit hole of trying to go to hundred mm. percent, which you're, you know, the point of diminishing returns after 90, we all understand that. But so you have to learn there, there's a little adjustment period of using these lights and understanding like you're seeing more than you need to correct. Maybe you should, when you first use them, take it out to the sun to understand what the level is between what the sun reveals and these lights, because these lights can definitely show more than the sun because they're not as bright, but they do have all the other beneficial characteristics the sun is showing in terms of color and surface representation. That, that's well, fascinating. Let me ask you a question. Why did you focus in on LED technology versus all the other technologies? Is that because of the lack of the heat or because they can adjust the the coloring of the spectrum of light much more easily or readily? What what was the, the why did you focus in on LED? Oh, that's a great question. Part of the reason when I wrote this back in 2013, late 2013, is most guys were using halogen. So yes. For one, heat was a big issue. They're also not energy efficient, but halogen, their Kelvin scale is low. It's a, you know, 2,500 to 3,000, which puts an orange tinge on a surface. So if you're doing a light color, like a silver or a white or whatever, you're not getting accurate representation. So, you know, there's, and then people went to, you know, things like uh, CFLs um, and those are, highly diffuse so there's a lot of different reasons but led offers them as we said earlier to make it very simple mimics the sun the best possible it's direct lay direct ray of light being okay. on the panel well he, like this late, this leads to I'm, oh, I'm sorry go ahead i didn't mean to cut you no no, no. okay no, i'm just saying common you know common shots if you go into the department store or or, or a shop they have ambient lighting overhead those are T8 diffused CFL lights. And basically, and we're, we're, we're like, I think you're about to say, so we're going into, you know, the different types of lighting is diffused light, say on a cloudy day versus direct sunlight, which is normal light. And there's, you know, there's pros and cons of both of these. Well, my, you know. my main point that I want to clarify for the average person or somebody that's not delve, delve into the subject of lighting is, why would one spectrum of light be better than another? In other words, it's not the same for every color paint. A white car 
would benefit from certain light spectrum compared to a black or a red, correct? No, I believe that the closest we can get to a white pure light, we are accurate, more accurately representing the surface. Uh, what comes into play when you're dealing with lighter colors versus darker colors is luminosity or how bright it is. Um, mm. So, you know, it's very so, easy. I mean, this is the way I explain it to most people. There's a lot of setups online that people are showing two, four, five, ten thousand 10,000 lumen setups. These are very, very bright, you know, and people think that that's brighter's better. But go ahead and go outside at high noon on a clear day and go try to inspect any white or silver car and see what happens. <laughs> you get blinded and you can't see anything on the surface level. Right. So that's so where, you know, in, brightness comes into play. Okay, so in your opinion, is there more validity in the lighting systems that let you adjust brightness or these the ones we're seeing now where they let you adjust the coloring of light more in the red spectrum versus the blue, because that is popular right now where the guys are switching to two different colors where you're saying, if I'm not mistaken, that, Hey, if you could just adjust the, at least adjust the brightness. brightness. Yeah. The brightness. That's more important than adjust the coloring. Cause you're saying to be accurate on all colors that the, the human eye perceives, you really need to have that spectrum in the five to 5,800 range. Right. Uh, yeah, I absolutely believe so. A very, without getting overly technical, there's a term in photography and filmmaking. It's called the inverse square law. Basically, if you double the distance of a light, you re you reduce the illumination by three quarters. So let's say we had a light that's two foot from a vehicle at 400 lumens. If you double the distance to four foot, that 400 lumens drops down to 100 lumens. It's, it's a principle of light fall off. So just uh -huh. by moving it back double the distance, you're cutting down the light three quarters. That makes sense because back, I've been, yeah, I've been in garages that have loads and loads of fluorescence, but they've got 12 foot or 15 foot ceilings. It's like, man, it sure is mm -hmm. dim in here. Give me a light, give me a halogen stand. You need it. You can't, you know, you, he could have a hundred, hundred tubes in there, but it's just not bright at the ground level. Well, that's also what you're also talking about is what we were hinting at before is, Diffuse light versus direct beam light, which the sun is a direct beam light, so it's more powerful. Diffuse light, like any light you go into any department store, basically like an overcast day, that's a photographer's dream. It makes all this, all subjects are evenly lit. There's no hard shadows on anything. Everything is even, but it's flattering. Well, when we're detailing, we want the harsh reality of what's there so we can fix it. We don't want these uber diffused lights because you can make anything look, you can make a car from the car wash that's totally jacked up, look great in diffused light just by changing the angle and using that type of light. But if you put a direct beam on it, like the sun, you can clearly represent, you know, the color that, that, that black car, it's all swirled up. It looks gray because all of the swirls, which are diffusing the light off the surface. So that's a whole nother. Okay. So, direct so beam light of an yeah. So I'm seeing where guys will, add a diffuser or take a diffuser away or paint the reflective alumina or you know metal element inside of the light behind the glass uh they'll paint it white or they'll leave it raw metal and mm -hmm. and this is all in hopes of diffusing the light i mean obviously if you put coloring on the clear glass and make it white you're 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 
you basically there's times where you want one or you want the other, correct? Well, if you're painting the front of the glass, you're deflecting light. So you're cut. It's basically cutting, uh, like putting a sheet over a light. You're just cutting down the amount of light. If you're painting the reflector behind, you're just changing the amount or the intensity of the bounce. Because if it's behind the light, it's just reflecting what was behind it. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, that's my recommendation is that you use an LED light. A lot of them do have diffusers on the front, but it's only a front facing diffuser. With a T8 or, like I said, a common overhead light in a department store, already diffused. If you look at those bulbs, they're like a frosted glass. It just, and diffused light, what that means is instead of direct light, which is basically from point A to point B, it's putting it, it's bouncing it in all random directions mm -hmm. all over the place. Yeah, it, it's a floodlight. You're lighting the room essentially. You're, Correct. You're, but those you're lighting T8, the environment. Right. Gotcha. Yeah, those T8 fixtures. The bulb is diffused, and then there's a big diffuser on top of it to even to diffuse it even further. So you know they're they're just the department stores are just trying to make you look the most flattering you as possible to get you to buy their clothes. You know, okay. as we discussed in detailing, we're trying to create represent what's actually on the surface to show the harshness, harsh reality, so we can actually fix that. Okay, so are you saying then this is a loaded question? Hey. Let's get non-diffused lights in that white spectrum and just blast the car, but not so bright that it's um, blinding us. Right. But that's it's not that simple, is it? It's not quite that simple, is it? I, I see it as uh, Kevin. I think it, let me hop in here. It says that I as I'm writing this down as we're all talking here. I see three factors here. I don't know if this is the color should be white. Like I feel like we have a check mark there, right? It should be the closest thing to white. Fifty five thousand to fifty eight hundred K. Yes, yes. Then we have to look at the brightness of what of what. 5,000 Kelvin, yes. Yeah, 5,000 to 5,800 uh, Kelvin. So somewhere in between there, right? So 5,000 Kelvin, let's call that. Check mark there. Then the next little space I have is the brightness of that light. So we can talk about that a little bit because I'm not quite clear on that. And the other, the other little factor is the distance of that light and the brightness of that light to the subject or the car. Would you say that, that's a, that, that those three parameters are what make a successful lighting of a car? I would say the last two are two points of the same subject. So the distance of the light from the subject or the vehicle is mm. independent on the brightness of the light you're using. Oh, right. So the right. bulb is going to dictate how far you put it based on the factors at hand. So obviously, like we talked about, if you're using a white vehicle, you're going to have to pull it back further because that white reflect doesn't need as much light because it's, a white color and it won't represent the surface accurately. Whereas if you have a darker color, you can have a little bit more light because white is re reflecting the light. Whereas the black is actually just, it's just sucking the light in. Okay. But there, there's one more aspect, directionality. Is that true? Well, directionality is just a function of, you know, what you're trying to see. Uh, this goes into a, a, a point I wanted to make is that the type of lighting setup I use is a, you know, a portable dynamic setup because as we're all very familiar with, uh, you know, a lot of little sports cars or even just big cars, panel to panel, things change. You need to adjust the light according to see a, maybe even a subsection of a panel. Think of, you know, a side view mirror, the top little portion or the bottom portion beneath on a 911 where you can barely get in there. You need to adjust the light or move your head or either either way 
just to get in there to see what's going on, to correct it, to make it, you know, consistent with the rest of the vehicle. So what I what I like to use is a portable method that can you can change that on the fly, but a fixed setting with track lights or a big fixture that's set, you're going to end up bringing in a portable a portable solution to to fill those areas as it is anyway. So okay. So you're saying mobile lights would be a better option than I mean you need some overhead just so you don't bump into the wall kind of thing. But is the is the ideal? Let me ask you another way because I. I'm listening to you talk. This is very fascinating. And my, like my mission in life or whatever it is that I do is I try to whittle it down to make it so as digestible as possible. So is what you're saying, uh, and obviously correct me if I'm wrong, to shut the light off so there's no diffused light, there's no like, hey, I just need to walk into the room and not like trip over a chair light, that kind of light. Shut everything off, get rid uh, of that, and then put an angled light focused on the color, meaning the 55,000 Kelvin, the brightness plus the distance to the car, the color of the car and the angle of the light. Is that what we're, is that what someone's? Correct. Okay. I would say that, yeah, you don't want to be competing with any other light sources. So the, the, the primary light you're using for correction should be the brightest light in your surroundings so that you don't have to compete with anything else. So you could have an ambient light on in the background as long as it's not brighter than the primary light you're using for correction that's the key that's what i wanted to focus on is is it detrimental to have ambient light and you're saying it's not necessarily detrimental you don't i mean we all know guys you know even our friend joe from superior shine he's been known to darken his garage and just use Mm -hmm. one single light when he's polishing it and lots of guys do that now it's actually uh, you know it's kind of something that's been done for years but it's come to the forefront that you know hey i do that too so that, that definitely there's nothing wrong with that, but you're saying as long as the ambient light doesn't impact the, the, the focused light and, and bleach it out right. or change its coloring, you should be okay with that. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with Joe. I turn everything off. Um, once again, this also kind of depends on the color because some lighter colors can pick up on that ambient light very easily. For me, just to make it easy, I turn everything off, turn on these lights, use them. But if that's not an option, if you can turn part of, you know, sometimes you're working at a dealership or wherever you can't turn off all the ambient lights. Sure. As long as your primary light is, you know, let's just brighter than what the ambient source is, you're, you're going to, you're not going to have a problem. You should be able to see the defects, but if they're in competition, you're going to have some problems and it's probably going to be on that, you know, Underneath the rear spoiler, or, or in the area that you most need 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 the best best lighting in order to be particular, careful, or anything. Okay. Well, I got a question because I still want clarification on the coloring of light. So let's say that you're at a dealership and Disco Danny, you're in his little bay, and he loves to have purple neon. He's got purple neon stringing all around. Is bay. It's mm-hmm. not real bright, but it's certainly purple. How does that affect your net, what you're actually seeing on, on your panel? I mean, his ambient purple lighting, although not very bright, is throughout. And now you've got your light stand or stands. How does his light affect your light? So we're back to the coloring aspect of this. How does that affect certain paint colors versus others? Or is it just in general, it just affects your light? some or none well uh, this is with every type of color but 
it's more susceptible to the lighter colors. If you're tinging it with a different color, you're, you're changing the representation of your eye and you might actually be hiding defects. So, you know, it's not always the case, but with the lighter colors, white, you know, pearl white, you know, the silvers, you might be hiding defects. Uh, that's why, you know, we go back to the control group, which is the sun. It shows you everything because you're getting as close to that pure white and you're getting accurate representation of the surface. So if you're changing the representation of the surface with like a, a halogen light with the orange, the deeper, deeper red, you might not necessarily be seeing everything. So that so this, purple. This is where I want clarification. Why? See, what I'm saying is I'm trying to. I'm trying to lead you because I I don't know if I have the right terminology, but if you increase, let's say, red, it you're saying you may not see some portions of the defects because the red is causing you not to be able to do that. Why is it is it because it is it doesn't ref, it doesn't ref, reflect or refract that spectrum of light and therefore it's invisible do you follow what i'm saying i'm trying to get to the crux for somebody that doesn't know lighting at all to say well if you add red then you the way the way the light works on everything in the world you're bleaching this out or adding a color which unable makes it unable for the human eye to discern that spectrum well in my in my article i had a very extreme uh example i had a white piece of paper that i in red Sharpie wrote, what color is this paper? And I did it with a 5,000 degree bulb and I did it with a 12,000 degree Kelvin. 12,000 is purple. You can't tell what color the paper is or what color the ink is because of the tinge of the lighting on onto that piece of paper. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it, it, you're not getting, going back to the accurate surface representation of what's there. It, it, can, it can hide a lot of different things. And it's just, you know, it's like trying, it would be like, you know, trying to clean a white shirt in a photography darkroom. It's it's deep, it's low level light with a deep red. You can't really see what's going on because that color is casting over it. So you don't get a true representation of what that shirt is. Is it clean? I don't know. I can't really check. So then you take it outside and you look at it. Oh, it is. Oh, no, not even close. But here's the thing I want to know. I want to clarify also. This is actually not the same topic, but if instead of colored paint, we were looking at non-pigmented paint or just clear, let's say glass, and we painted glass with clear paint. And then we scratched it up. We washed it and we scoured it and dirt. And we scoured that clear coat of paint sitting on top of clear glass. Is, is, is the light still gonna affect that? Or are you saying that because the, the base colors of the cars we're dealing with, the red, the black, the silvers, and then we're putting clear over that, it's that base coat that also is affecting what we're seeing versus, hey, we painted glass with clear coat paint, scratched the clear coat paint. Now, how does the light affect that? You follow what I mean? I want to make sure that we're clear on the coloring of light, if it is important or it isn't, and why. Well, yes, the, the base coat is going to affect you know, the appearance of whatever you see in the clear coat, which you're correcting. So a deeper color will not reflect as much white. That's why when you go into any kind of, you know, photography, you know, infinity wall or backdrops, and they're always using white so that you're seeing whatever the subject is for what it is. So if, if, if the base coat is darker, uh, then 
Oh, I lost my train of thought here. <laughs> Sorry. No, no worries. Kevin, that, that is, so I'm trying to understand. I'm your... trying not to go that deep with it. Kevin's trying to take it deep and Larry tells me to go, you know, well, simple. So, well, Kevin, Kevin wants to go my... deep for so the I'm... average guy, though, because this is a big question. This will just determine... Well, then we get into the rabbit hole of talking about the visible spectrum, what wavelengths do, how the retina and the eye interprets light and all that stuff. And well, then, you know, it's... That. you can do that you can do that um, at, but, a, at a top level or whatever i think i think the question is hey do we change our approach based on the the difference of the colors and if so of the car and if so is there like some sort of formula or some sort of like hey on black cars you want to be at this angle at this light at this whatever on white cars you want to be like is there some sort of something somebody can take away from this and be like okay on black cars you tend i understand it's not cut and dry but on black cars we use I, I would tend to use this, this, and this. And on white cars, I tend to use this, this, and this. So if it's a silver car, find something in the middle. I, I'm, I'm guessing I'm, I'm posing this question. I have no idea. So I, I don't know if Kevin was asking that question. So you, you don't necessarily need to know what's going on in the, the eyeball. I mean, that's a podcast for another day. But I think to wrap this up, people are thinking, okay, I, I know that I need I'm – I'm looking at my notes here – 5,000 Kelvin color. Okay, check. I know that the brightness and the, dis, and the distance of the car – those are one and the same, you know, those are two things that play off each other. Then it's the color of the car, which is what we're talking about now, and the angle at which that light is to the color of the car. So when, we're, when you answer this question, or Kevin or whoever, as we wrap this up, I'm trying to get somebody motivated to do something different in, in what they're doing now. And maybe what they're doing now is using a halogen. Okay, now they're going to use LED at 5,000. But how can we get them motivated? I don't know if you have recommendations or whatever you you know, somebody, you have your own thing. I don't know what it is because we didn't talk about this before the podcast, but how can we motivate them to use the right thing? So before we get into that, uh, maybe I gave you a little bit of time there to think about the answer to this color question without going nuts. Did, did I give you enough breathing time, Chris, to figure out how to answer that question? Yeah, I mean, I'll just tell you what I simply do. For, for, for a lighter colored car, I reduce the amount of light so if we're using a white car in order to, you know, so basically it goes back to another um, concept of photography is blowing out panels. Mm -hmm. Basically blowing out, blowing out a panel means to overexpose it with too much light. So what happens if you look at a photo, if you blow it out, all you see in the area that you should see color and detail is white because it's overexposed. So you can't see what it really is. So, you know, with a white car, it's very easy to do that because it's easy. the darker the color, the less it's re reflecting the light. So that's why, you know, in, in any, kind, any kind of reflection, they use either white or silver because it reflects so much. So when it, in a darker color, you know, it can be a little bit brighter. But when it's, you're getting to a lighter color, you need to pull back. So you either, you know, use less light use less intense light or you pull the light fixture back to make that fall off bigger. It's, it's doing the same thing. It's less light again. All right. So, I mean, right. does that make sense, Kevin, to what you were asking or did I not get to that? Yeah, it does. Except for the fact I'm, I'm trying to get to a point where there's, there's manufacturers of lights that are supposedly, or they are designed for illuminating automotive paint, either in the body shop or in the detailing realm. And they are switching the coloring of light. And I'm saying, is that de actually detrimental? Because I know for a fact I've got, oh. a, I've got a, I've got a pen light that's got a red anodizing. And when you put that light on the paint, you can see the red. 
versus a pen light that's identical with a black ring, you can't see the tinge of red. So, you know, some people prefer the one with the red, others prefer the one with the white, and they're they're definitely no, I don't like that light. I like this, I like the red. Well, the red to me is ridiculous. I like this. And I'm just wondering, well, is that part of the way the humans perceive color? And maybe we're both seeing the same thing, but yours is more pr prone to needing the red or not needing the red. It's just interesting from that perspective. Uh, I see what and you're it's saying. confusing. Yeah, I see what you're saying because I think what Chris is saying is, hey, the white light, that's the one that you want. You want the harshest one that you can handle. If the color is a light car, then you got to back off. If the color is a dark car, then you can go at it. You're saying, right. hey, the color of the bulb itself is showing as red or purple or whatever you said, you know, that kind of thing. What's going on, like to one detailer versus another detailer or one person versus another, those uh, look different to that particular person. And what's, so what's going on in their eyeball that gives them a different perspective or different, is that what you're asking? Like yeah, because you can take the, you can take the scan grip light that's a dual mode coloring, and you can go from car to car and go, oh yeah, I like this light better. I can definitely see defects better with this light switched uh, on this setting versus that. And the next car, you go, oh no, I got to use the other lighting, the more blue versus the more red. Right. That's the part I want to get. Right. So I guess, about. Chris, I mean, now we're really getting into like you have to be a little bit more of a doctor or something of the eyeball. But do, are you, you know, we're we're rounding third here because we're at thirty three minutes, but. Um, do you, are you capable of even answering? Cause that, that, I mean, that's a fascinating question, but I don't even, I barely know enough about detailing. I certainly don't know, don't know enough about eyeballs and irises or something. So God bless you. If you can understand how to answer that question. Well, I mean, what, what, what I'm looking at is they're trying to sell a quick fix solution that, that makes it so you don't need to know anything about manipulating a light. And so you're just changing the color. I guarantee if you hold up a light meter, versus the one that's at 5k versus the one that's at 70 75k 7500k there you're going to have a different brightness different luminosity reading so uh, basically what i'm saying is manipulate the brightness based on your need and what they're saying is just change they're just changing it a different way uh, like i said i, I like I, I, I like your way better i got to be honest with you because it's a, it's a simpler way of understanding it you're saying well, let me put it this way for you, Larry. Before I found the bulb that I settled on, that right. I, that I, they don't make anymore. I tested 32 different bulbs, and the last bulb, two bulbs came down to 20 lumens difference, and it was a slight color difference. And I tested it like for eight hours, like testing, testing, going away, using it on a car. So it, it and you know, it, it, it comes down to the, the, the brightness and the distance. And the reason I stick with 5K is because you're always seeing what it is. So it, it's just how bright that light is in, ter in, in terms of the panel is what it's going to show, what's not going to show. You know, I understand what Kevin's talking about with probably the Rupes pen light, but if you take that outside and try to use it, it does nothing because the, the, the sun is drowning it out. But if you hold it back really far, you can almost, you can, in a dark room, you can see things very accurately, but if you hold it right up to a white panel, you're blowing it out. So my whole thing about the light and, and, and versus using different color bulbs is just manipulate the distance and the, the, the brightness of the light by either using less, less bright bulbs or using, using the distance to manipulate it as well. So to, mine, me, to me, that simple. sounds simple. Like, I feel like you've just exactly. 
So you're okay. This is good. I mean, that I know from a podcasting perspective and my brain perspective, this is becoming clearer to me. Use the proper uh, light Kelvin 5000, right? And then manipulate the brightness based on the color of the paint and the distance to the paint. Is that, I mean, if, if you have, yeah, so, so if you, if you have a, if you have one of these common photography setups that have two bulbs on the top and you usually have two bulbs off, turn one off and then change the distance. Yeah. Yeah. And so in yeah. your world, if you had the ability to either have one of the lights that you have a, a band that you put around your head and you have it right in front of your face that that's on the panel, you'd prefer to have one that has a multitude of dimmable settings versus a multitude of different colorings because you're making it very clear in your in your theory of lighting it's all about having that constant spectrum of light that you like the five thousand right okay it's finding that sweet spot yeah it's not blowing it out it's not being too dull but sticking with the 5,000K, so if, if you keep the constant at 5,000K, you know, according to Chris and what I'm understanding here, and then it's just adjusting the brightness with either like a little lever or pulling it back and forth, forward or closer or further away, based on the color of the paint. Is that a safe right. way to close this one? You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's fascinating. And the reason I'm uh, panicking and, and saying it faster is because not only we're over, I don't care about that. It's that my batteries are about to die. <laughs> I'm looking at it, I'm like, ah, crap, okay. this thing is going nuts. So um, there's a lot more we can discuss. As always, guys, you can uh, email me at podcast.amonyc.com if you have more questions. I am sure that you do because I'm rushing to get out before it dies on me. Or uh, visit ocdcarcare.com, uh, contact Christopher Brown. And I'm sure he can uh, walk you through a bunch of the questions. I know we didn't talk specifics of which um, light to get and that kind of thing. I kind of want to stay away from that because let's talk about fundamentals and, you know, uh, not one company yeah. versus another. I just think it's safer. Um, so hopefully you guys are cool with that. And, of course, Kevin Brown, buffdaddy.com. Uh, always thank you guys. Chris, do you have anything, uh, any last words? I know you're not on here often, but we'd love to have you back. Any uh, Anything to end with? Instagram, uh, no. Facebook, or whatever? You get the I last just word. wanted to comment that- I just wanted to comment that uh, there is no relation between me and Kevin. It's just one of those very common last <laughs> names. Everybody always wants to ask that, yeah. but no, it's just is their last name was Smith, you know? Yeah, yeah, Chris, Christopher. <laughs> I said the same thing to Kevin because I actually have a buddy now that I just met a couple of days ago named Kevin Brown, and that was the joke that we were just talking about. And I'm not joking. Like, I have a new friend in in on the East Coast here named Kevin Brown. I almost fell on the floor. I was like, "Oh, my name's Kevin." I was like, "Oh, hey, what's up?" And he gave me his business card. I was like, "Kevin Brown." He's well, like, "Yeah." I was like, "Well, that's why I go by Christopher, and not Chris." Is I couldn't have two more generic names. You know, they can't. And I used to work with two Chris's, so I never respond to if people call me Chris. I don't respond. It's it's for lack of habit for people that I know. Yeah, plus, and my name is just being that generic. Yeah, you, know? you got Kevin Brown on one side. You got Chris Brown. Isn't that like an actor or music guy or something, right? So some yeah. lighting. It's some famous lighting guy or something. Yeah, yeah, Christopher Brown. Oh, yeah, the famous. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, on that note, thanks. thank you both for uh, hopping on, and hopefully you guys uh, enjoyed the podcast. We'll have more to come. And uh, thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you guys soon.